everybody, welcome back to episode 48 of That Scale RC Show. This is Jeremy, and I am here with... Adam. And Travis. Along with... There you go. See, you messed it up. Well, because it was kind of weird, because normally we always do the whatchamacallit, so do you want to redo it? No. I, I like this, actually, because people <laughs> have kind of grown to expect this from us, <laughs> not getting the names right. right? <laughs> kind of sets the whole tone for the show. So. Well, well, don't worry, not for much longer. Like, who are these clowns? <laughs> 48, and they can't say their names right and still talk over each other? What the hell are these guys? Uh, well, hi, everybody. We are back. We do not have a guest for you this week, but that's okay, because we're just going to have a nice friendly roundtable discussion between the three of us over uh, some topics that we have yet to determine so uh, yeah we have no plan I mean I think we have a pretty good idea we... yeah really. actually we do have some news that we can get into just right off the bat um, yeah did you guys see flying cars no okay on to the news <laughs> 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 Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that, was, that was great. I yeah. feel like it's not family friendly, though. Like, you're teaching, like, date the underage chick at the track. Like, that's the message. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. That's the that's the buzzword here. She's like. probably 60 because you see all those high school movies and the people playing high schoolers are, like, freaking 45 and shit. And they just have really good makeup, so... I mean, not even that. I mean, combine that with that, you know, B-movie element. Everyone always seems to look a lot older than maybe they actually are. Could be. Or they were held back. That's entirely possible, too. <laughs> I, I see that happening a lot in the RC world. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, all right. We better get off that. So the, uh, the, the big news this week, um, before we get into some stuff that's a little bit backlogged, but... The first IFS RTR has officially been announced from Element, their trail runner kit. And yes. um, I guess I was kind of, I was actually kind of surprised with this release because I remember the sentiment kind of being earlier in the year when IFS came out that they really weren't too set on the idea of maybe an IFS car in the future. But I think that seemed to surprise a lot of people on how popular that conversion kit really became. And it, the, 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 the support that I've been seeing online following this car, because I honestly, I expected kind of a lot of backlash for it. And it seems like the, the initial first impression of that thing being announced was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, there was way more people that were upset when the IFS was released by itself you know but like now that it's actually on a rig it's weird you know what's what's funny is that also like i want to say they straight up said they weren't going to release an ifs rtr that that is what i thought but i didn't yeah that's what i thought but i didn't like really want to quote them you know so i I just i I didn't want to like spread the fake news so i i thought that that was the sentiment though so this was a surprising thing for me when it came out well, I was going to say, we just had Brad on. Didn't he say something on the show about how they weren't going to do it? I thought so. I swear, I'm, I don't know. I mean, maybe I imagined it, but I could have swore I heard him or somebody say that they weren't. But that's okay. It's here, and it's really 
stinking cool, and there's going to be a lot of rad aftermarket support for it, which I'm super excited about. But that's kind of what I like about it, though, is that you can kind of get it, and you can you already have so many options about like how you can style it, like right out of the box. Like that's yeah. something that that has always created this sort of negative stigma about RTRs, is they kind of just they come the way they come. You know, you, you have to, and, and, and like Axial for a number of years had different RTRs that you could get, you know, depending on what style spoke to you. But it's kind of cool that you could get one body that you could get a bunch of different styling kits and decals that came with it. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I would really like to see more companies do that. Like that to me, honestly, is probably one of the coolest things about the release. Yeah, they have like, what, three or four different decal sheets, I want to say. Yeah, different decal sheets, it. different bolt-on parts. I mean... Even little bolt-on fender flares, like, it's awesome. Well, and what was really cool with that thing, too, is with... So when you're building the IFS or even the kit version, um, the axle housings are on the same parts tree as the knuckles and the C-hubs. And so since the IFS kit uses the same knuckles as the solid axle one they just took the solid axle and rather thrown it away they threw the housing in so really all you got to buy is a set of universals and some c-hubs i believe no c-hub should be in there so just universals and you should be done which is really really cool yeah i think that's pretty neat and uh i i I would imagine that maybe some other companies will take notice of that and we'll start seeing this maybe become a trend with rtrs yeah, and all I mean, the why shouldn't they really come with it too? Like yeah, tons of scale accessories. Yeah, like why shouldn't they really? I mean, that, that's my thought at least. But no, I thought that was pretty cool. So I'd really like to see that that trend kind of stay with it. I'm kind of excited. I really want one, and just I, I want to get one, and I just want to leave it like how it comes. Really, like just put whatever comes on in the kit and just leave it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean. I'll probably do like the wheel and tire thing, but honestly, like, I don't know. I have a lot of decal ideas for that thing though. Like one of the things that I want to do is our, um, overland, uh, wrap that we have right now. That is the mountain range and the compass. I want to do that in, uh, black on clear vinyl and have that available for the trail runner. I think that'd be really, that would be a perfect opportunity to reintroduce that kit. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty neat. So I, like I don't that. know. It's in, it's inspired some ideas and some designs and stuff. And honestly, like that, I'm so stoked on that thing that it's kind of gotten me all excited about the metric Tacoma that I'm building. So now I'm like all fired up to get that thing done. So yeah, yeah. No, I th- I think that's pretty cool. And oh my gosh, what was I gonna say? Really quick here, one sec. It was um. Just drived, I want to say. No, no, no. It was on. Coming soon. I was going to quote retail on it. Yeah, so suggested retail of three eighty nine ninety nine. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I just noticed, too. So it's three eighty nine ninety nine at A-Main. Super good deal for everything that you get. And it's a tiny tire rig, which everybody knows is kind of hot right now. But they're... LiPo combo with the battery and charger is only $10 more. Oh, really? Yeah, that's crazy. That's is, that cool. a li- is it a LiPo or nickel metal? If that's a LiPo for 10 bucks more, you get a LiPo and a charger. That's a smoking deal. Let me look that up. Yeah, it is a LiPo, the Trail no Runner kidding. LiPo Dude, combo. 10... 
I don't care if it's like not even your first choice for a lipo. That's why wouldn't you just spend the extra ten bucks? That's a smoking deal. Yeah, it. Um, I'm verifying that right now, but it looks like it comes with a Reedy 3000 milliamp 30C 7.4 shorty battery, and a, a shorty. Yeah, rad. No kidding. Yeah, I mean. I know why they did that, actually, and it's why I'm having to go to a shorty on my IFS one is because the tires touch the battery tray Yeah, if, well, with the long stick pack. It's the first time I've had that happen with one of these. I only noticed it last night that it hits the large tray, so I'm going to have to go shorty on it. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, this is, I guess, sort of the outside perspective, but I'm kind of surprised that people still run stick packs in crawlers. I do because of the weight, honestly. Yeah. I mean, on, on trail ones and stuff. I just now ordered a 3S shorty. I was going to get the ProTech one, but they're out of stock until mid-June or something like that. And it's funny because I just bought the um, I just bought that Reedy 3000 milliamp shorty pack. And I guarantee I paid a lot more than just $10 for it. Yeah. Um... Interesting. It's incentive. This is true. Yeah, I mean, them as a dealer, I you know, I guess they can, you know, or, you know, as a manufacturer, they can include whatever, but let's see, Reedy, Wolfpack. You said it was a Wolfpack, right? No, I just said Reedy. Oh, okay. Um, 27, 4,000, 3,000, hard case shorty. That's a. F- is it a 2S or 3S? 2S, 7.4. It's a $40 battery. Yeah, man, not a bad For battery that bucks, it comes with. Dude, that's a smoking good deal. Yeah. Huh, right on. So, yeah, so awesome stuff from Element again. Yeah. So, and I guess there's even more to come this year, we've been told. So, that is kind of, <laughs> that, that gets you excited. Real quickly, um, so what did you say it was again? You said it was three eighty nine. Yes. And then how much for the battery and charger? Uh, three ninety nine, I believe it says on here. Because the one I'm looking at says four thirty nine for the battery and charger. What? Where did you see that? I can screenshot it and send it to you right now. Weird. Yeah, I just pulled it up on Amin's site and it says three ninety nine ninety nine. Weird. I don't know. Maybe I got the debunked one. You're on Amin's site? Yeah, I'm on Amin. Why are we looking at two different things? That's weird. That's... While we're talking, I'm gonna send it to our <clears throat> um show. Yeah, mine I mean, says three. Honestly, that sounds well. a little more that sounds a little more right. Yeah, this might be a typo then if that's the case. Because while well, you were looking for it, I just literally looked it up. Huh. Strange. Oh, I know why now. It is it is 439. Really? Yes. Well, I'm not looking at team price. I mean, it's no secret. Everybody knows we're sponsored by AMA. And so, I mean, obviously we have like a team price on stuff. And that's definitely not what I quoted because it's less. Huh. Yeah, because I, I just logged I just logged out of our account on Amy and it's four thirty nine. Dude, that's crazy. I just, I just checked them back to back. 
I'm I wonder why people what people are thinking right now as we're doing all this. Here I'm sending it to you what I was looking at. That's really they're saying, weird. They're saying, Jay, you're a liar. You're lying <laughs> to us. This guy doesn't know anything. <laughs> what a noob. God. Huh. Anyways. I don't know. It it costs some money okay. and you can okay. get some stuff. So regardless, you're talking it about uh 50-ish, $60 difference, which realistically, if you said that was a $40 battery and you're getting a charger with it, that's worth the money right there. Balance charger yeah. at that. So, yeah, that's still oh, a pretty good deal. Oh, it's a balance charger? That's even better. Yep. Yeah, so that's, that's still a pretty good deal. Dude, do you remember the chargers we had when we very first got into this, like the LiPo chargers, how horrible they were? Yeah, wall charger and leave it on there for eight hours. Yeah, oh, my God, that was so painful. Takes about as like, long as it does to charge my movie. Yeah, we we got into this just at the right time as lipos were starting to come out, and we had a very short experience with. Uh, yeah, I remember when we started racing, and we were racing it at JNS in 2011, and we had our nickel metal, or we had our Traxxas nickel metal packs we used for qualifying, and we saved our lipos for for mains. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> man, those were the days, huh? Yeah, it was the perfect time because we got in after. After nickel metal was really dying and we didn't have to, you know, hand wind motors anymore and maintain brush motors all the time. Brushless was, was really it, taken off. What was off. I thinking running a slash? Like, Adam, my my first car was a slash like a lot of people. And we moved up here with the in, and found out there was a track within, you know, about a 45-minute drive from us. And so we're like, well, let's start racing. That'd be fun. So we started going there to practice, started racing. And I'm, I'm not kidding. I probably, including the cost of the car, radio, all that stuff, I probably had about 900 bucks invested in a Traxxas two-wheel drive slash. And it still got waxed by SC10s. <laughs> So it was, it was it was strange. Like it kind of made sense at the time. Like it makes sense why we bought those versus something else because the other short courses at the time were not proven to be very durable, like the SC10 and the uh, Kyosho. The Kyosho. So it makes sense. Um, yeah, Keith's Kyosho broke all the time. Yeah, so that was one of the yeah. things that made me Kyosho made really fragile cars at the time. Well, that was my whole issue for a long time because, like, you switched to the Kyosho car way sooner than me. I I held on to the slash way too long because I was worried that the Kyosho was just going to break. So it took me a long time to sort of make the transition over. But I remember, yeah, your slash had like an LCG kit on it and Yeah, the STRC one with like the wrestler chassis. Yeah, exactly. That was pretty pretty wild. I think back, you know, the the amount of time that we spent in short course. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like it was just that <laughs> trying to race two wheel short course on that surface was like just throwing money out the window of your car while you're driving because but there's a good reason why and it was because we were trying to we were trying to chase performance and at that time we were you know like a lot of people where you know people just kind of throw money at things because they think it'll be faster because of that and we yeah. found out that that's not really the case, especially with tracks and stuff. I mean, I, I don't care who you ask. Buying a slash in itself is expensive, and trying yeah, to make them, cheap, you know, and trying to make them competitive with anything is expensive. And you know, I mean, I, I was fighting pretty much tooth and nail with my slash to try and keep up to like the race capable cars at the time, and 
Yeah, they, it was fine, you know, for what it's worth. I mean, you know, for someone who's 12 years old, it's, it was perfect. But it's, it then, I mean, just like we've talked about before, and, you know, we talked about it on my show where it's, it was, it was really fun when we were just out doing our thing and we went and we drove at revs and we really didn't notice, like, you know, like we threw Proline calibers on it and all of a sudden the cars were money and it was tons of fun. And then we came up here and we were halfway competitive and all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, you know, what money can we spend on upgrades here or there to try and make it more competitive? And, and that was really, you know, that was kind of in sync with the death of short course altogether because then things just kind of got out of control. Yeah. So I, I think that's, I think we were just, we were just part of that problem is really what it came down to. Yeah, no, that's true. It was, yeah, we were so new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone's got to learn somehow. God, that area, though, that we lived in in Oregon, that would have been so amazing for Scale RC, all that lava rock and stuff. We had really, really porous lava rock there, and it was everywhere i mean like you would try and dig to build a like moto track or anything and you always hit bedrock like that place is just all rock with sand on top of yeah it. i mean the dirt sucked but man like now i think about it like growing up we had 10 acres out in rural redmond and we had this huge huge lava rock hill with trails all over it in our backyard and stuff i mean dude it would have been heaven growing up there with scale rc just would have been so much fun but i don't know that's why we need to go back sometime and check it out what we should do is that if we end up actually doing the like big road trip that we've been kicking around either on the way down or the way back we need to just bypass and go through take, bend take 97 take highway just, 97 yep. through bend and through madras and redmond and yeah because i mean not only that there's some places that i want to like take our truck to because it would be really fun out in millican valley in the desert and stuff so we yeah do that we'll have to like take the tent off and drop it at your mom's place or something leave it there yeah yeah that'd be fine so i think that that would be super cool is there's probably so many places we could go out there with it Dude, that would be the ultimate trip. Hit that on the way down or back. Go down, meet Adam, hit Crawl for Your Cure, turn around, hit by the fire, which I, I realize that's... How far is L.A. from you, Adam? Eight, nine hours? Yeah, <clears throat> to go to Prolong by the Fire from where I am in Redwood City is about an eight-hour drive. That's not too bad. I mean, it takes about eight hours to get to central Oregon to get to Cisco or actually to get to Chico. It took us probably 11 and a half, 12 hours. But so. I think from central Oregon to get to central Oregon to get to Redding, I think is about six hours. So probably tack on another two to get down to wherever. Yeah. I think we should take five all the way down and then hit, come back come back through like central Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd probably be the best route. God, that'd be a fun trip. Hopefully everything's open by then because I've always wanted to do crawl for your cure really bad. We'll see. And I don't want to like jinx it. That's one event that I'm still hoping stays like on track because like I've noticed that almost all the events that have been planned kind of like well into like what would be considered the safe time. They're, they're still, you know, postponing. Like, I know we didn't talk about it last episode, but Axial Fest, the West Coast, a.k.a. the Donner, 
is postponed till 2021. They're not doing it, and they pushed back Badlands almost, I think, a full month. Yeah, July 16th through the 18th is Badlands. But yeah. it doesn't seem like they pushed it back very far, really, when you think about everything. Yeah, no, it was just a month. On. Well, like, that's not very it, far away. Yeah, well, they but they pushed it back because well, it was going to happen. I want to say third week of June. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was the original date was like June twenty something. So it was basically a month before the West Coast, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy to see that like something like that that you would think is, you know kind of like in the what I call safe time would be postponed. I mean, I can understand the California one. I mean, it's our that that right there says it all. Um, we've had nothing but, you know, craziness with everything going on. So um, that doesn't surprise me that California, you know, due to the fact that it's in California, they postponed it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's just crazy because that was one event that I was really looking forward to. Like I was like, really hoping to have the SCX 10.3 up there and running. So, but, oh, well. We yeah. can actually go to that now since we can tent camp without needing to be on the ground since we don't own an RV or a trailer. Yeah. This is true. That's something we could actually still go do. Um, and then Crawl Ferry Cure is pretty cool because it's at another campground, but like I said, I don't know what's going on, but that's so far out. That's October, end of, or no, beginning of October. Like I want to say like around the 6th or 7th. Yeah, I mean, they probably don't even need to think about rescheduling until, you know, one or two months before and then kind of reassess the situation. So, yeah, so we'll kind of see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, it's been kind of like crazy, so really changing a lot of what's going on as far as, uh, you know, events take place. Yeah, quick little thing, um, kind of RC-related, kind of. Um I don't know if anybody saw my social media or not, but got a rooftop tent. If it's something that you guys have been thinking about doing, do it. It is the coolest thing ever, and it just opens up so many possibilities for RC trips and going and checking and stuff out because you can literally just pull down on a fire road, open the thing up, and camp for the night. Like, you can kind of just go anywhere with little setup or mess. So if you were looking to get out and do some RC adventuring, since a lot of uh, events are being postponed or even canceled this year, definitely think about it. Spend that Trump money. It was uh, that, that was one of the coolest things I think I bought and is really convenient. And I just can't wait to use it some more for RC stuff. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, that's definitely something I wanted to get for my Chevy, but I just haven't gotten around to doing it because it's going to be kind of an investment because the way I want to do it, I'm going to need a custom bed rack made, whether that's myself making it or a buddy of mine making it. That's still time and money, and then i got to get the tent on top of that. So just kind of been slow to react on that one. I tell you what, though, if you do pull the trigger on it, dude, you won't be sorry. Like... I bought a $50 uh, Amazon memory foam mattress because the, the one that I have is the smaller of the two Smitty Belt tents. And after throwing that memory foam 
it's it's only like two or three. I think it's a three inch memory foam pad, and then I just threw like a fitted sheet over it. Dude, I've never slept so good. It was so awesome, like just super comfortable and like it breathed really well. And it, dude, it, it was rad. It, it was really fun. I mean, I've always been a geek for camping and stuff. Like I love that, and I'm you know forty three and tents suck and you know, back hurts and everything else. And air mattresses weigh 300 pounds. So I was like over that the first time I used one, but man, like it, it'd just be awesome. I remember seeing one for the first time at Axial Fest in 2016. I think uh, S pod had one on their Toyota and I just lost my mind when I saw it. I thought it was just the coolest thing there ever was, but yeah, super, super nice. Can't wait to, hit the trails and I was going to say make some memories, but that sounds super, super. (laughs) I I just like, I caught myself at the, like go make some memories guys. It'll be fun. Like, are you talking about making memories with your RC cars or making memories in your pot, in your pop-up tent? Actually the memories I was thinking of was, um, quitting my job and, just go fly some cars. That, that's actually what I was thinking about. Wow. He is not being serious. This guy in the movie. It was a movie. It wasn't real. Um, cars don't really fly. They jump. So I know, like, right right away the title's misleading. And then you find out that, like, there's a little bit of, like, the dude's kind of a statuosaurus. And then it just... <laughs> it's a a bad movie let's okay so actual crimes in that movie let's get into (laughs) one is that i i really didn't want to talk about it i really didn't no please do your show um in the dis in in the review that we had read from effectively review from rich morgan at rc network they stated that he bought a RC 8.2 e. e RTR for $600. That's the first crime. And That's that is, like that the, wasn't even on him. That, that was, was on West Coast Hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Like from that, at that point in the movie, it's just like, oh, no. Yeah, like immediately it's like, well, this isn't affordable, and I'm going to meet underage girls, and I'm going to lose my job, lose my wife. Like, I'm not going to race RC. This is stupid. Well, you don't even you don't even race if you just if you just go to places and jump. Apparently, that's how uh, that's how you get the hookups. So, don't trip on all the panties being thrown at you when you buy your RCA RTR. Well, the funny thing is, if anybody knows how you know those hobby stores really look like, if there are going to be panties thrown at you at that point, it'll be guys' panties, not girls. <laughs> yeah. And this is 2020, and if if that's your thing, that's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, we don't want to single anybody out here, so Adam, please try and be a little more PC. <laughs> hey, I'm very PC. What was non-PC about that? Uh, you were implying that there's something wrong with man panties. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> to the fact that you were talking about that all the underage track girls are going to be throwing their panties at you. First of all, let me just say this: we've been racing RC for ten years. There are no track girls. <laughs> okay, this is RC. Like I came from Moto, where there's like, you know, 
jersey chasers everywhere. And this is not like that. Um, they Actually, you're looked at kind of sideways when you're a grown man playing with toy cars. And, uh, yeah, th- th- there's no chicks at the track. And if they are, they're married. You know, this is really funny. Um, when I was in school and trying to explain to other kids what I did and or even like other adults and they'd always ask like you know okay like you guys you know so it's like kind of you and a bunch of other kids that go out there and do it and I was like no no never any kids all grown there dudes. wasn't dude there was there was no kids all grown dudes in their this. 30s and 40s yeah it was you and Wilbur for like the longest time and then Jesse got into it, it well it I mean it came in waves right like there were kind of waves of kids here and there like there'd be three or four that would pop up but it was primarily me like myself and Wilbur in the beginning yeah. Yeah. But it was like <laughs> the the faces on the people that I was telling that to. I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> Gee, cool, dude. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's not the most macho thing ever. And, oh, you know, there's one thing that I wanted to kind of clarify. So we, we've been guilty of saying it too, and that is calling things a one-to-one. I feel like that's misrepresenting things. I feel like we say one to one to make ourselves feel better. Um, RC isn't a real motorsport. We don't need to get into that again, but it's not a real motorsport. And there's real cars, and then there's shrunken down replicas of those real cars that are toy cars. And we play with toy cars. You're one to one. Would impl- saying one to one implies that it's a replica of something? It's not. It's a real one. And so, like, I I I get why people say it. It's because we're kind of trying to like justify that. Well, you know, my one to one, or this is like a one to one. Well, it's like no, that's a real one. This is a toy. You know, like you can drive to work in that one. You're one tenth, and you're one to one. You can't hop in the one tenth and like drive it to work. So we're not talking even remotely the same thing here. You know, so. Um, it, and it's okay. It's okay to call it, you know, your one to one and your one tenth and stuff. If it makes you feel better about doing the nerdy stuff that we do, then continue doing it. But we're just trying to justify it to ourselves. People look at us crazy when we say, "Well, my one to one." Very curious no. to hear Adam's thoughts on this. Yeah, I no no, I don't agree with you at all on that. You one. Don't. <laughs> nope. Nope. But a one-to-one implies it's a model too, right? No. A one-to-one means that's the scale. It's a one-to-one scale. You're, yeah, but it's you're, not a scale of anything. It's the original. Yeah, but that means it's the scale that you're going off of. A one-tenth scale is a one-tenth of a one-to-one scale. So therefore, you are scaling this down. Yes, we understand it's one-tenth. That's why when we refer to what you're copying, you say a one-to-one because that's – what you'd actually see if you were to blow that scale to the real 100% scale. But nobody in the real world that doesn't race RC refers to their car as a one-to-one. Well, it's a circumstantial they're not term. about a scale version, so they don't need to. Am I just being mean-spirited and trying to make people feel bad? Yeah, I think, you're, I think you are. I think okay. you're being very mean, and you're crushing people's hopes and dreams at this point. No, because they're still flying cars to watch. <laughs> they can hope and dream watching that. That whole that whole movie was filmed on. Can you add what what is what is the full scale 
weight of 60 grams of brass on each end of the axle. Can you do that in the one-to-one world? Not really because I don't know anybody who puts wheel weights on a real vehicle, but, um, no dude, I do. Cause it balances the tires. It's the same as an RC car. It's lead weight. No, those are lead weights on your wheels. Not on your, not on your knuckles. I know I was mocking our hobby. Oh, okay. Well, you fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So Travis, um, where, where are you going with that? Trav? What do you mean? Where am I going with that? Talking about the weights and stuff. Are, There's are, not a whole lot you, to get into, but I just I I think a, a PSA should be made is that if you do put 60 grams of brass at least on each end or on on both ends of your axle, um, the axle will not survive. You might as well just get a custom one machined out of brass because that seems to be a lot closer to what you're going for there. So if it does happen to happen, it's it's because of the brass. Apparently, a lot of people don't know that. And so I just want to make sure that everyone everyone is on the same page. I can't believe these things break. Dude, you spend $400 on a car and it breaks if you crash the crap out of it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last it. show. I don't understand. We talked about this last show, but, I mean, this was just kind of indicative of that. But anyways, well, there is, um, back to, I guess, some actual news. Um, RC companies started making masks. So <laughs> you can now be fashionable on the trail or at the track. These are primarily toward uh, tilted towards track racers um, because it is just that kind of demographic from time to time that you can now get your favorite masks from S-Works, which is a big eight-skill brand and an on-road brand. Or you can get them from Hootie, which everyone knows is X-Ray's famous luxury brand. Now, there's there's a couple points I want to make about this. Um, first of all, like like branded masks, whatever. Like if that's your thing, fine. But I I my thing is I don't understand the point for buying masks for you know fashion because that's essentially what's going on here. I mean, you might as well just you know put a sticker of your name on it and everything else. I I just I think it's really tasteless. But also Hoodie Hoodie really raised the bar because not only do they have a normal mask, but they have a high performance mask. And threw up in my mouth. The thing is what what I found particularly interesting about this was that all of these companies that are selling masks that aren't like actual medical masks, and this is for very good reason, hence why are you even buying these, regardless if you think the masks work or not. Maybe this is targeted to the people who think they don't, but that's a different thing, is that all of these companies have to put a disclaimer saying that these are not intended for medical preventative against spread of covid <laughs> they're not functional basically well they can't claim they are because th- they've gone through no regulation that proves that right so if hoodie's going to release something they call a high performance mask doesn't that kind of open the door up for someone to buy one of these masks go get coronavirus and cash in on a lawsuit that kind of seems I- like they're opening a pretty wide door for somebody to go and do that Right, like I think that's a new low in human history that we are even trying that there's companies even trying to cash in on a situation where lives are 
Yeah, lots. like this one like, is this one is old news, but like Aeromax did the same thing. Aeromax like makes really expensive tool sets and like and oh, well, I mean just really expensive tools in general. They're also kind of like a hoodie. Um, I mean the stuff looks cool, but the, it's this like the same kind of stigma. And if you spent two hundred dollars or more on an order, they gave a free mask. It's like disgusting. Well, still. Yeah, that's horrible. Like I I don't understand. I mean, if I understand why people are doing it. It doesn't mean I agree thing, with it. If you're trying to cash in on the mask thing, you are a disgusting human being. And I know that's like a pretty bold statement, but you're gross and it's disgusting and it's trashy and it takes a real POS to do something like in, that. In the so beginning, I'm just going to stand firm and say well, in the beginning that, of all of this. In the beginning of all of this, it was hard to source masks. A lot of people were, you know, like hospitals didn't have a lot. Workplaces really struggled to buy a lot of masks because just like, you know, when people were going to get food, like everyone is really swarming around these things. It was just the panic factor. People were buying a ton of it and everyone needed them suddenly. Well, it's been a month or so now. And now if you can, you can go to the grocery store, get everything that you couldn't get a month ago. Now, like my workplace in particular, I can get as many masks as I need. And I know a lot of places are like this. All of a sudden, like every grocery store I go to, all their employees have masks and stuff like that. And before you couldn't get them. So not being able to source masks isn't really an excuse anymore. And that's the only reason that I could see somebody buying one of these. But at this point, you might as well just make one homemade, right? Or, or support someone like small time that is just making whatever mask they can. But buying branded RC masks or a performance version of one. Or a performance version of one. Yeah, that I mean, that, that's it's weak and hungry, dude. It's so weak and hungry. Yeah, I, I just I couldn't believe that. That, that was really upsetting for me to see. <clears throat> There's another that's a good rant. There's another company that's got those. <laughs> G start with an R. Oh, are you serious? Yep. Who does? I was gonna I was gonna say Reefs, but uh, G Speed, huh? G Speed. I don't know who that is. Oh, you then you're blessed. We, we don't need to go into that. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah. So. Oh, uh, actually, huh. okay. Actually, I take it back. It's not an actual mask. It's called a COVID nineteen neck gaiter. Jesus. It's Christ. in the name, COVID nineteen neck gaiter. I mean, a lot of people do believe that putting it around your neck is the best way to prevent. Well, no, no, no. Meaning that it's it's like more than just a mask. It's the whole thing. It's kind of similar oh. to like the, it's similar to like the SA thing. You know, the face shield that goes up. You know, all the way. Okay. Around. Yeah, I see that now. I'm looking at a, a picture right now on the G Speed page. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Well, that's very scary that you're putting that name in there because you should I think not. I've been one of those. You should you should not label that it is uh, COVID nineteen if you have not held tests to medically prove if it does or I'm, does not. I'm pretty sure you need FDA approval to sell masks for medical purposes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you need FDA approval. So a lot of companies are trying to skirt that with that disclaimer. I get that that's a loophole, but I mean I I'm of the mind where that that means that I shouldn't buy one and I should just get the masks that are essentially are provided free to me at this point and it's probably still cheaper getting a actually medically tested mask than it is buying yeah, one of these bro, branded but ones. You don't have your sponsors on one. Well, so with that being said, get your that scale RC show mask at sor.com <laughs> 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 oh man 
We're not never, 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 ever would I stoop that low. We're not, (laughs) we're not making masks. Just want to get that clear. No masks, no masks. No. So, but if you actually want to go back to, I don't know. I thought this would be kind of like a fun, interesting kind of debate since you guys are both obviously um, team associated drivers. No. Team associated drivers, and I've you know more on the axial, you know, band wagon. Um, I'm looking on a main's website, and I'm looking at the base price for both things. You know, the um, the axial SCX 10.3 kit and the Enduro Trail Runner, uh, ready to run, and I'm just looking at the price points and kind of like what you're getting, and there's about a twenty dollar price difference. So I just thought it'd be kind of interesting to hear your guys' thoughts between the two. This is comparing the RTRs. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. That's why I said it's kind of interesting because Axial doesn't have an RTR yet. It's only a kit. Oh, this where... is the kit version. Yes, the kit version. So, oh, right, right, right. The Axial SEX 10.3 kit is three sixty nine, and the Element RTR. The Enduro Trail Runner is $389. Hmm. One's an RTR, ready to go. One's a kit. You still got to add all your electronics and stuff to it. So I just thought it was kind of interesting to see the price difference. I think there's a good reason for this. If oh, you... I know there's a good reason for it. I just thought it'd be an interesting conversation to have. Well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I if anybody at... wants to make that decision on their own in the store, like which one would I lean towards, they have some, you know, kind of like discussed highs and lows to go off of. Yeah, I think this is – I think if you're – I mean, these are just the, the the different like features are going to be like what is more important to you? Is it like kind of under? Is it really like under, like on the chassis or is it on the body? Like that's the key difference that I'm looking at here. I could see someone buying the SCX 10.3 kit and spending kind of the extra money. I guess comparing like the base chassis for the same reason, maybe they would buy an SSD Trail King because you just you get so much more just on the chassis. So, I mean, that that's really, I think, the big thing. It's just, like, what are, like, the flares having it come with a, you know, like, an engine servo cover, dig, stuff like that. Like, are those things worth it to you, really? I mean, like, it's not, like, for me personally, and it's not because it's an axial-associated thing. Like, I look at that car, and, like, I'm not particularly interested in the dig. I'm not particularly interested in the fenders, right? So... You know, for me, like, I, I really like a bear car. So that's, like, why I would be inclined to go the other way. However, I could totally see, like, if someone, like, is trying to go with just a full, a full, like, scale top to bottom uh, vehicle, like, this is a really good starting point for them to do that because a lot of the thing and have it be halfway capable is, you know, this is a really good starting point because it always, it already comes with so much just attached to the chassis and, you know, you can do anything with a body now. So conceivably it could be less work. So Mm -hmm. I could see it. I could see it from that standpoint for sure. Um, yeah. If I was to circle back on what you said, the only thing is because I know just based on how I set mine up, um, you could actually opt to not run the dig two speed, any of that stuff. You can actually just 
you know, lock all that out and just run it as a bare bones car. You could do that. You could do that. For me, I would, that would make me potentially less or potentially skeptical to buy it because of all the features that I would not be using. No, I totally agree because actually it's funny that you say that. Um, I'm actually up in Auburn again working and um, my buddy's son, um, the guy that I'm working for, his son goes, um, you know, he was asking me all about my SCX 10.3 because he knows I recently just got it all done and he just bought one and he's putting it all together and he wanted to know how I set everything up to do the dig in the two-speed and I said, well, right now the dig is in there. It's ready to go, but I have it zip-tied so it won't go anywhere because I haven't gotten around to putting in a servo for it and Mm -hmm. I don't know which way I want to go with on that right now. And he said, so you didn't use the two-speed? And I said, nope. And he goes, and you didn't use the portals? And I said, nope. And he goes, you're, like, not using a lot of the features that it comes with. And I said, I understand. I said, I personally, and this is just a comes down to, like you were saying earlier, a personal preference. I wanted something that looks really scale. I love the body work. I love the scale detail on that body. And I said, I want to make it look what I call scale with, you know, non-portal axles and i said i've never really seen the need for two speed i mean that's part of the reason why myself personally i've never been a traxxas trx4 fan because all that extra stuff they give you i've never really seen the need or like you know like i've never been on the trail and said you know it'd be really nice if i could just shift it into another gear right now and just roost the tires it's like right I've never like so that personally that's why I just never gravitate like you were saying towards something like that with those options because it just doesn't pertain to me. Now I'm sure there's somebody else that loves to live, you know, the whole saying WFO wide freaking open and they want to be in second gear all the time and just roost and, you know, go 100 miles an hour over everything as fast as they can, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why I think some of these cars that have these options are becoming the new, I, I want to say, are going to become the new trend or I guess the base for some of these kits because it's now giving the consumer the ultimate decision when they're buying this because now it's going to come down to pretty much, you know, what pertains to you. You know, if all these cars, like let's say Element, uh, Traxxas, Axial, um, since those are like the three big ones, okay, let's even add in Red Cat to that. Now, if you take all four of those and you were to basically do the same thing, every kit does the same thing, you have the options to run it this way, that way, all this stuff, it's really going to come down to, at that point, um, what your, I guess, brand preference is. Because if they're all offering the same thing, then you're going to be able to just pick and choose how you want to build your car. Well, in, in on that same note, though, and it's kind of funny because this was another reason why I was kind of knocking as far as, like, why I wouldn't buy it. But if you're someone who does a lot of builds, this is a great buy for you if you don't want to use these features because then you can have a two-speed, you can have a dig, you can have those for potentially something else that you have that if you wanted to make like a super capable rig you already have like really big components that you could start that build off with immediately so even if it doesn't if it's not a part of this build you know you kind of do like a bare bones version of the scx 103 you still have stuff left over you can lose use like the portal so like if you're like a builder and does like tons of rigs all the time like i said i'm not so because of that those things don't speak to me but there's a lot of people out there who build 
tons of cars and are always building something they can never stop. And so this is, even if they aren't going to use all of these, how, like how it's supposed to quote unquote come, then you still have all of these parts that you can use left over for something else that could potentially inspire another idea. So for those people, it's a, it's a killer buy and still worth the extra money. Mm-hmm. So I definitely could see it from that angle as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it was just something that I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, it's, I, I just find it really interesting to, to watch how the market's going or how, I guess you could say what's coming down the pike, what's actually, you know, like the like I said, just the direction it's going is just yeah. We're seeing a trend. We're definitely yeah. seeing a trend now. I don't know. I think if if I were to quit my job and steal six hundred bucks from my fiance and get into scale RC, I would probably I don't know. I'd have a hard time because the SCX ten three. I like Jeeps and the SCX ten three. That body is rad and super super detailed. An element has a rad body and it's super detailed. That would be a really hard decision because I am kind of neutral in the fact that I like Toyotas and Jeeps. I'm not kind of one way or the other like a lot of people are. Um, and I I don't know. Like if I was a newbie, I think the SCX 10.3 probably the minute I opened up that box and started looking at everything because like that is a pretty comprehensive build. There is a oh, yeah. lot there's, of stuff there's there. There's no denying. No, there's no yeah, denying. Like, I, I think I would be a little bit scared and feel like maybe I got in over my head. Um, I don't think I would recommend the SCX-10 3 to a brand new guy into it unless he was just super mechanically inclined. If they were gung-ho um, on an Axial, I would I would sell them on a 2, no question. Oh, yeah. No question. Yeah, which, which I wanted to talk about that in a second, too, but... I don't know. I mean, we're also looking at IFS versus portals. They're completely two different beasts. But, man, it would be a hard decision. If I was a newbie, I'd probably go with a trail runner. If I was just dead set on building a kit and everything, I would, you know, possibly do the three. The thing, and I'm not trying to badmouth Axial at all when I say this, so I just kind of want to make a disclaimer right away. But, like, Axial, the Red Cat, and the Traxxas, I look at those chassis with the body off and with the way the fenders and everything else are, like it's not something you just throw a new body on and go. Like there's going to be trimming to get the inner fenders to fit. If you're going with a body wider than a Jeep, the inner fenders that come on the axial are probably going to be a fair distance from the edge of the wheel well opening on the body, you know? So like things are going to kind of fit funny. You're going to have to get creative. Um, I do like the fact that element stuff is still really stripped down. If you look at the two with the bodies off, it's really bare bones. There's not a lot of extra frills. It's just what you know what's needed to do the, to do the job is there, and that's it. And if you want to add fender liners to it, you can get the Lexan ones and paint them and cut them to be the right width for whatever body you're putting it on. Um, there's a lot of pieces with that SCX 10.3, like the shock towers and stuff, like it looks, you would know this better than me, obviously, but like it looks like all of that's kind of one piece, you know, so it might be really hard to start monkeying with all that to get another body to fit. But there's so, oh, go ahead. Yes, 
I'll just answer this real quickly. Yeah, the um, the shock hoops are all one piece, and I think they did that more of to fill in the gap because if you really if you really look at how the SCX ten three was designed, it's um, those those wheel liners or I guess you'd say fender liners are actually designed to go hand in hand with those shock towers, so that way it blacks out all underneath, which is kind of cool because now you're not just having one thing doing everything. I mean, so like if you really wanted to take off the fenders and stuff or the – I keep calling them fenders, but it's the wheel liners or the wheel wells. If you wanted to take that off, you're still going to have a big chunk of black in there. So um, From the shock tower, you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they are separate pieces. Then. They are separate pieces. So actually okay. – and that's one thing I do like about those, um, uh, those wheel wells are – they are separate and they come off rather easily. There's only like one screw holding each one on. They actually get sandwiched in between a couple other parts, which kind of like help hold it there. But once you undo the one screw, they kind of fold right out of the way. Because when I had to modify mine a little bit, I had to keep taking them off in the front to make sure everything would work and then put it all back together. So it really wasn't that hard. The only gripe I have with it, and I know this is and this is with the SAX 10.3, the only gripe I have about the front fenders or wheel liners is they do interfere with the inside of the fender that you bolt on the flat, the fender to. The problem is you almost have to spread the body a little bit. My recommendation is, which I've already done on mine, I need to do a little bit more, is you take the Dremel with like a flap wheel and grind it back a little bit. Just keep making passes, like almost take off like an eighth inch to a quarter on each side and you will not have to spread the body. It'll just go right on after that. That body is probably on there pretty securely too. I bet it is. It's not. That's the other thing too. If, like I said, you're, you know, I know Travis nailed it on the head. You're like comparing two totally different beasts. Um, that's kind of why I wanted. That's not why I wanted to talk about this, but I thought it'd make interesting conversation because you're able to like talk about so much and really, you know, comp- and compare like different, you know, aspects of each model, but. Um, well, it's not really, I mean, it's not apples to oranges, you know. I mean, like, if you're in the market to buy a new crawler, and, like, especially if you're getting into the into this the first time, like, you're going to be looking at all your options. So, so I realize there's, like, drastic differences between the two, but it, the question's still going to be there as a consumer, like, wow, well, that looks cool, I'd buy that, or that seems cool, too, I'd buy that. So, I mean, this is, even though they're two totally different cars, like, it's a very realistic conversation that people are going to have when they're looking to buy something. But this is we're missing some we're missing part of this though. Okay, is that what what we're missing here is that, and and I'm I, I want to ex- expand on on why. So this might be a lengthy answer, but this car was not made in mind to compete with the element market. This car was made in mind to compete with the Traxxas market because as much as we hate to admit it, Traxxas made a really good crawler and Mm -hmm. it is loaded with features. And that is the one thing that I notice why people who buy Traxxas tend to gravitate more towards Traxxas than Axial or Element is because they like how many features it comes with right away. This is Axial's response to that, is that they're trying to make something that's all-inclusive. So this is not in any way, uh, to me, like I look at this and I don't I don't know if anyone really, I think there's a lot less people debating between this and a um, you know the new Trail Runner than there are people buying this versus any TRX4 that's out there right now. And right. 
I'm of the opinion that like less is more. So for me, like like the like I said, I'm not a constant builder. So the amount of stuff that this comes with is 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 it turns me off of that purchase. But the like the like for me like for me for example, right? Like I build drones as a day job, okay. And for our cust- our customers that buy our drones do variety of work a lot of it is cinema based you know going to make movies and stuff like that so they'll buy our drones and gimbals in mind for that or uh they'll do land surveying we have a really big customer that does a ton of land surveying with our drones so if someone buys one of our drones they have the option to get a different style landing gear to mount the batteries at the bottom instead of the top so then they can mount cameras to the top they can get um they can get FPV, you know, first person view, they can get that as an add-on package that's part of this. They can get different style of uh, of rubber uh, vibration absorbers to, you know, change your vibration isolation depending on whatever your your need is. To me, and th- I understand this might not be the the most cost-effective option, but I'm I'm thinking of like if I could have like the perfect world that this kit would be released in, it's that this is a bare chassis and having the fenders, having the dig, the two-speed, those things are like standalone option assemblies that you can buy at checkout if you want to. That to me would, or like even if like they just sold the base car and Axial, even if like it wasn't like a checkout option, like Axial just sold these components that were com- like compatible, just standalone, ready to go. You can buy them. All you have to do is install them and you're done. You know, you're not buying a bunch of parts trees and stuff like that. To me, that would make something like this a much more attractive purchase because then there's not nearly as much that I personally am going to have to throw away because I'm, I'm a minimalist. So a lot of this, like I said, does not speak to me. So I understand the people who see all this, all the checked boxes, and they're thinking, wow, you get so much in this kit. Yeah, you, you pay for it, but it does come with a lot. Like it's a, it's a fair price. So... That's just my thought, at least. But like to me, like that's something that I, I'm starting to see this bit of arms race starting, and I think it's going to be kind of an axial versus Traxxas battle where it's going to be how much can we stuff into a kit to make it like this all-inclusive crawler right out of the gate. And that's like something that for me as a consumer, like even like before Element would instantly turn me off of getting either of these. Yeah, people love gadgets. I mean, that, they do. That's just they do. How it is, you know, and it's like when you buy a car, you it's all about how many features are in it, you know, with buying a real car. And I I get that because people are going to look at this and be like, "Oh, for this amount of money, you get this, 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 and this." I I hope that maybe they do some sort of a builder's kit with the SEX 103. And it kind of is like what you're talking about where you can buy a portal kit for it if you want, or you can, you know, get whatever updates that come, you know, upgrades that come in the uh, current kit that's offered, you know, minus like the body and stuff. So maybe they'll do a stripped down version like the TRX4 Sport, which obviously I don't know the sales numbers, but I would imagine that there's a lot more TRX4 Sports running around out there than the full bells and whistles one. I mean, we had one for about a month and sold it, and we had the TRX4 Bronco, and I didn't use anything that came with it. You know, like, I didn't use any of the fancy features at all. I did, it just it didn't apply to what we do here. But, like I said, people love gadgets, and they like all, you know, it can do this, or it does come with this, you know. And so that... 
it, it was a smart move on Axial's part for sure. I mean, Traxxas took a really big chunk of market share away from everybody. Oh when yeah, they the market. You yeah, know, that, they did. Everybody, everybody felt that. Well, just to answer real quickly, because um, it's not like an easy number to just say, oh, if you get a Traxxas Sport, you're saving this amount. Because realistically, if you get the um, Sport, <clears throat> I guess the Sport. RTR is 339 and the sport kit is 279 and if you ask my honest opinion I think you get more bang for your buck with the Traxxas TRX4 sport kit because that's the one that comes with that safari rack the bumpers the all the stuff oh, you know that's right where and it, for not being a real truck that looks pretty good exactly and if you get like the Traxxas Sport, which you can now get in the tan, the blue, or the red, is 339 And yes, it's RTR. It comes with a remote and everything. But realistically, if I was to look at that, that 339 number, that's pretty high for a, I guess you could say, a stripped-down car. Yeah, and especially like, I don't know, like with Element, I've noticed this a lot people buy them and then they post up on the page like the very first thing is like I want to get a different ESC what's a good ESC to upgrade to you know and it's like well I don't get that but that's a whole other conversation but I mean it, it most people it seems like are just gonna you know scrap everything all the electronics that came with it anyways so I think in that situation the kit's definitely the way to go I mean I I like kits. I mean, I don't like building them. That's no secret. I absolutely hate it because I just don't have the time for it. But, I mean... Well, that's why this is probably... And I don't know if you ever saw these when you first got into RC, but Axial used to have a version of cars called an AT... Wait. ATR? Oh, wait. Or ATRTR, yeah. almost ready to run? Right. And basically what it was was a complete car minus electronics. Which is pretty smart too. Didn't Traxxas do that before they had an actual kit? They had like, it, you bought the TRX4 kit. I think it was the Bronco without a body, basically. But it came assembled in like chunks. Like the shocks were already assembled, so you just put the shocks on. Axles and stuff were assembled. You just put those on. And I think that was kind of their first attempt at a kit, if I remember right. And then they went with a sport kit that's like a build it from the ground up version. Yeah, honestly, I I don't know. I never paid too much attention because, you know, like, I'm not trying to sound mean, but Traxxas has always been more like the toy grade. So the TRX-4 was actually their first, like, step into what I would call hobby grade um, RC cars where you're actually trying to make it look like something. You know, it's not a slash. It's not right. a bandit. It's not a rustler. It's not a stampede. It's you know actually supposed to look like something. So it's kind of like, you know. So that's why I never really paid attention because they've just never appealed to me in that way. And you know, I have to They're agree. They're kind of expensive, dude. Yeah. Well, I have to. I have to agree also with Travis on the fact that you know sometimes less is more. Like I'm also one of those. I know for a fact. That you have the more you have, the more chances you can have issues on the trail. So, right. you know, if you have something that's running like four servos, there's four different parts that could break versus a car that just has a steering servo, you got one to worry about. 
or so, your locking diff cables or all the crazy stuff that goes along with that. In in that and I and I understand that and I guess the the thing I'm trying to come up with like I guess the best answer for people who want to have a minimalist car but not pay the price for something like let's say you were trying to get like an SCX 10.3 and you really wanted all the features of an SCX 10.2. If you really were going that route, I would say get a builder's kit, a raw builder's kit, because that comes with the simple three-gear transmission. Um, get that, buy the SCX 10.3 body with the mounts, and then apply that to the SCX 10.2 if you were going that route. That body does look really good. The body's like really, really cool and, on it. And honestly, Traxxas's bodies, with the exception of the Mercedes, do look really nice. The oh, yeah. Blazer, no, the Blazer and the Bronco look really good. I mean, they've done a good, for being new, they've done a really good job nailing down the whole like scale part of it. The, mm-hmm. They're all kind of big, is the other thing I noticed. And that was one of the things I didn't necessarily like also about that TRX4 Bronco is. Dude, the thing just felt it's huge a giant car. on the trail when yeah. you're trying to crawl. Yeah, it's just massive, you know. And like, so I, I kind of like the little more scaled down version of stuff than the like league of their own size where they just do their own thing. Yeah, and I mean, I think the unfortunate thing is, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't know who said it. It might have been. A few episodes ago, but one of our guests said something about that our one tenth scale. This or what they're calling one tenth scale is actually closer to like one eighth or one twelfth. And instead of you know, and I was like, eh, yes and no. I mean, I think the problem is too many people like Traxxas. They started implementing their own what they would call one tenth scale, and it changes the depth for everybody. Yeah, I wish that that could be more standardized because from an enthusiast standpoint that, you know, being somebody who really enjoys taking pictures, because I I mean, that's, I don't know why, but it kind of brought out like the inner photographer in me when I started doing Scale RC, but one of my pet peeves is when you have two cars next to each other and the sizes are just so radically out of proportion like, that's something that's always really bothered me. Like, Traxxas's D110 and, like, RC four-wheel drives D110 are not even close. Like, there's such a huge size difference. And, like, I honestly, I like the size of the RC four-wheel drive body a lot more because it is a little more realistic looking if it's parked next to something else in pictures. I mean, I, I realize you can't always get it right, but, like, even... Well, like, Axial's SCN... SCX-102, uh, when they first released the RTR and the kit version with the Cherokee body. Dude, that body is massive. Like, it's so big. And, like, if you see a Cherokee in real life, they're not a big vehicle. They're barely bigger than a four-door JK. Like, they're both really, really small. So, I mean, that kind of, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because they were trying to have something make 4.75 tires look smaller and you know, a little more scale proportionate. I mean, you know, obviously it's no secret the four seven fives go over stuff a lot better. And so maybe they did that so that it wouldn't look like a monster truck having four point seven fives tucked under that Cherokee body. But I mean the the everybody's kind of just on their own program with scale sizing and it that's something that's always really bugged me. Well, I get what you're saying because like it actually happens with like uh one of the rigs I have, my hard body um 
to me a clod buster Chevy. That body is tiny compared oh, really? to some. Yeah, is it's it? I would say that's more one one twelfth scale than one tenth scale. It's just if you compared the Tamiya hard body clod buster, which is supposed to look like an eighty Chevy, and you were to actually put that next to like let's say even the Proline, you know, mid eighties step side Chevy that they came out with, the Proline body towers over the Tamiya one. It's just that it's just that much bigger, and it's like like I said, so it makes it hard. Like you were saying, when you go out on trail and you're with a couple other people, because you know realistically you're not getting the true size proportion right. Because now I, I'm in a car. When you pull up next to this person with a with a Jeep, the Jeep looks bigger than the Chevy, and it's like name a Chevy pickup truck that's smaller than a Jeep in the real world. Yeah, I know that's. It I don't know it it seems like a it's it's a small gripe on the surface obviously but like if you're really into taking pictures and stuff like that yeah it's kind of an issue you know it's like you'll have like the one little tiny shrunken down car like to me is uh, tundra I see a ton of to me a tundras and they look ridiculous parked against something else yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It would be nice to see them get on, like, a universal kind of, like, body size. But, you know, it is what it is. We just kind of got to work. I mean, it actually brings you back to full circle. Like, if you actually think about it, my biggest gripe, and, like, I don't want to sound like a hater, but my biggest gripe with Proline lately was I think they're more worried about having the body fit easily to what's available versus just saying, hey, this is the size of the body. If you want to make it work with your car, you're going to have to stretch your links. You're going to have to stretch your wheelbase. You're going to have to modify some things to make it work, almost like how it was back in the day, like when I started. Like when I started, you had to pick what body like you wanted to go with because there wasn't one designed for a crawler. They were all meant for monster trucks. You had to look at the wheelbase and say, okay, that wheelbase is the closest to what I'm running, and I could either open up the wheel wells a little bit or I can shrink something a little bit or I can extend something a little bit to make it work. Now it's like since there is such a, um, you know, a popularity with the um, – like the trail truck style, which has like been around 12.3, 12.5 wheelbase has been like the go-to lately. They've been making everything fit that, so now it just plops on a vehicle instead of having any kind of modification to it. Now, the positive is you got your average person who doesn't like modifying their car, doesn't really know where to begin, and doesn't really want that hassle. They can just purchase a body, throw it on their rig. Now, what I, where I see the downfall is stuff like the Gladiator. That is a killer body for somebody to come out with. Market on a Gladiator, it's like the hottest thing in the Jeep world right now. And if you can have one that looks right, you would like dominate. I feel Proline fell short because they shrunk that body down so much from what it really would look like in the scale form to fit that 12.3 wheelbase. This is the thing you that know, really bothered me because I, I, I understand, I guess, from the standpoint of what, like, yeah, the body would be huge. Like, if you see one of those gladiators, like, it, in actual life, like, it's a it's a big body on that chassis. But for 
actual scale enthusiasts, like that's not a negative. Like I, I yeah, wouldn't buy that for care. function. I, I wouldn't mean, buy a gladiator body that was like true one to one size and put it on my car and expect the thing to crawl super well. I really wouldn't. Like because that's not why I'm buying well, it. Here that that gladiator body right now is one of their best sellers, and I think the average dude honestly doesn't care about the stuff that we're griping about. You know, like they're just like gladiator sick. I want it. You know, which is fair. But I. I did see this, and this is an awesome option that probably not too many people know about. Um, it was maybe CBE that did it. He ended up selling it, but he took the Traxxas Slash Gladiator body and stretched the links out on his axial rig and put that on it, and it looked dialed. The one for the Slash looks perfect on a crawler. Yeah, so if somebody's because, thinking about going that route, that's you know that's probably because, a pretty good alternative. Yeah, because that one, I think the ratio to the way it looks is more scaled than the one that they actually designed for the scaler. Because the one right. they designed, and it, it is long. Yeah, well, because realistically, you know, the Jeep Gladiator is long. The cab is a certain length compared to the bed. Like you know, all that's supposed to be like what gives you know the car its attributes and. You know, you could tell, hey, that's a Jeep Gladiator. They, like I said, they just to me they kind of messed it up a little bit. That's just, and like I said, that that could be me just being super hard on it. But I mean, I haven't seen one in real life. But that's like the new Proline van body. I think it fell short because I think they're more worried about it going on a twelve point three versus making it actually be a van body, where most likely you'd have to shorten the wheelbase to make it work because there's not really a lot of long vans. They're kind of short. Yeah, that's true. Like you occasionally see like those sports mobiles where they have like a, they've sectioned the body to make it longer and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I, 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 I can't me personally. I mean, from like a purist standpoint, I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, but I think, as far as like just the everyday dude that just wants a cool body on his rig and it's going to get trashed in six months, just doesn't care. And they're just oh, going to yeah. run whatever, you know, but oh, no, there, can... there are the guys that just geek way out like us that, you know, are oh, like, oh totally well, agree. you know, it needs to be this way and this way and this way. Well, this is that scale RC show. So that's, that's true. <laughs> that, that is quite true. But yeah, I mean, so I don't know. I, I I get why they did it. It just stuff like that doesn't necessarily work for me. Know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I'd still say I'd like to see somebody do the the what is it the mutt cut from. I was um, just thinking that I was gonna say. I really wanted. I thought that uh, because if dumb anyone, dumber. yeah, yep. if anyone listens to my show too, they know that I have like the uh, the A team intro, and I yes. thought it'd be cool to make an A team van as well. An eighteen yeah. van would be cool. Mutt cuts would be cool. Um, another cool looking one would be like, I don't know, like a security company one or a rider van, you know, like a rental van or something. Some stuff or like that might be kind of funny to see. A free candy van. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been like waiting for the jokes oh, to start. Someone's gonna do it. Someone's gonna do it. It'll it'll be like Dan Perkins or somebody. I I would love to hear what Dan Perkins <laughs> has to say about it. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be hilarious. I'm I mean yeah I don't know. It's just 
like you said, we are that scalar C show, so you know <clears throat> we're gonna nitpick a little bit, but oh yeah, um, I mean, and you know, with what we're into isn't necessarily what everybody else is into. It's just we happen to be right, and they're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> just kidding guys god but no like really... honestly though taking a step back look I mean look at the releases we've had and we're almost halfway through the year now this has been a crazy year what I want to know though and I, god I would love to find I'd love to get this answer from somebody to Axial I bet we would not get this answer though if we were to ask because it's probably a little bit too personal but when you think about it like the UMG 6x6 was released really close to the SCX 10.3 so now if you're looking to buy an Axial rig does that work against Axial because now somebody is like, oh, well, that's old. That's an old model now. I don't want that. That's the two. I want the three. I want the newest, latest, and greatest well, are version. Are you just I mean, comparing the two platform or the 6x6 six six to the three? The 6x6 six six to the three. Like, the whole two platform. Because I mean, really, like, they had the F, the Ford F100s that they released. They had the 6x6. Six six. Um those are all fairly recent releases, and then they throw the three out just a few months later. So, what does that what does that do to a customer? You know, like, and I would love to hear people's answer to this. Like, how do you choose then? Do you buy the two? Like, do you go and say, okay, I'm going to buy like the Blazer or um, a Deadbolt or whatever platform or whatever body on the SCX-10 too I mean, you go with. I would look at this from the standpoint of, like, if it's a two versus three conversation, I think there's still plenty of reasons to buy it too, and I think it's just because of, like, I think the, the chief reason would be how much of the stuff that comes with the three would you actually use. But if you're comparing a six-by-six six to the three, I feel like someone who's an, interested in the six-by-six six has a really specific reason that you're interested in the six-by-six. They're going to buy six. regardless is what you're they, saying. I, they... I don't think if if they were interested in buying a SCX-10 3 suddenly over a 6x6, which they really had their heart set on, it's because that the release of the 3 inspired them with a new idea. Otherwise, they were buying that 6x6 with a very clear intention. It just makes me wonder if they're kind of selling against themselves now. You know what I mean? Like, am I explaining that good? Like, no, I, I see what you mean. I've always been of the mind that acts. I mean, it's it's this is a good problem to have. I think for a consumer, maybe a bad problem to have for a company. But I think Axial releases stuff almost too frequently. Yeah, but dude, they get hammered so much by people that on like every Facebook page is saying, "Sure, would be nice to have a new release. Why yeah. don't you guys release something new? Why and, do you keep well, releasing?" This Jeeps, is indicative you know? of the fact that just there are people you will never make happy. That's really? why I was yeah. Oops, so sorry. Well, I was just saying that's why I was so surprised that the 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 Trail Runner had such positive reviews at first because I was just like, "There's going to be anything and everything that people like would have rather seen than this for whatever reason, regardless if it was popular or not." And they're going to complain about it. I didn't see that, and that's a I rarity. They get hammered about the IFS. No, I, I really did too. I but really it's did. Almost taken care of though with just having to buy Universals. Like, oh sure, I mean, yeah. They kind of thought of everything there, but like what I was going to say, like with me, if I wasn't 
team associated guy and I was in the market to get an axial rib. Like I had my heart set on getting an axial one because I like their product. I like that you can walk into almost any hobby shop and get parts for them. Um, for me, I think I would probably buy a raw builder's kit. You know, get it. I think I would get an SCX 10 too because it is really minimalist and it has that tried and true three gear transmission. It doesn't have all the stuff I wouldn't use. And I would get that, get the new JL body for it off the three and build something that way. I think that would probably be the direction that I would go. What, what I hope that they do, you know, because I, I don't know if, if my views on that is like a majority view or a minority view, but I kind of secretly hope that they keep like the two builders kit, even if they do discontinue the RTRs or they end up, you know, basically putting a, a kind of dumbed down three chassis underneath all the current RTR bodies. I mean, they could go, they could kind of go either direction with that. You know, they could update the line or they could just leave what they have, you know, and just roll with it. I kind of hope they do that because I feel like there might be a good majority of people that do like the minimalist type builds so that they can more easily turn it into whatever they want, you know? Well, I was going to say two things. One, and this is kind of piggybacking off of what you're saying. One, it's I know it's not going to be long before somebody offers a 3D printed skid plate for the SCX-10 III to throw and that's like the original AX style transmission underneath it. And I always refer to the AX style because that's the three gear. That's always been what they've used throughout almost all their platforms. Um, I know that it's not going to be long. Will you lose some of the features? Yes, you'll lose the forward motor mount. You will lose the the ability to have a two-speed because that transmission is so complex because it's not – well, when I say it's complex is – Basically, that transmission is the key to almost all their features of that platform, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Of the drivetrain. So that transmission has the two-speed built into it. Like, like, So the gears and all the shifter fork, that's all built into it. You have the option to put a spacer in there to lock it either in first gear or second gear if you wanted to realistically. And then put it together like I locked it in first gear. And then they have the ability, same thing, in that same transmission because that mates right to the scale, more scale-looking transfer case. Um, And that gives you uh, the ability to lock the dig out so that way it's just got foil drive 24-7. And without that transmission, you're losing dig, two-speed, and the forward motor mount all in one, which to some people, they may or may not care. But to yeah. others, they might be like, well, I really want that. I do got to say, out of all my rigs, this has a definite, like, interesting feel, weight, I guess, like, weight bias. It's it's kind of like a – it definitely is more – I'd want to say my rig's probably set up more like a 60-40. Like, so it's a little heavier in the front, but the back still has some weight because the way they designed the battery tray – option you could either put the big battery tray on the one um rock slider area or you could put it across the back like i did just a, just where the trend where the chassis starts to dip back up 
and mm-hmm. I think that'll give you enough offset weight because you have your servo, your motor, everything forward and down low. Now you have a battery that probably weighs close to that back there, plus you have a transmission with a lot of metal gears, which are still kind of pushed forward and low. It gives it a nice low weight bias to it. Yeah, that's you, you know it's funny. The more trailing I do, because I we've spent obviously, if anybody follows us, we spend a lot of time out at the park now at Die Hard, and I I really enjoy trailing. Like I I like crawling, you know, like out just hitting rocks and stuff like that. But I really really like those trail days that are just kind of you know cruise along and walk some miles, get a little exercise, and. Uh, I really appreciate a rig that has more of a 60/40-ish weight bias now, because it. I I really do appreciate the fact of a truck that can go down things every bit as well as it can go up stuff, and that's kind of what I've been sort of building my rigs based on lately. Is you know, okay, can I take this and have fun on any surface with it, you know, whether it's crawling or trailing, and have it kind of, you know, be the best of both worlds. And uh, that 60-40, I think, is probably kind of the the golden ratio here with something like that. Like, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, and I, I can't believe I've never asked this, at least I don't think I have, do you add any weight when you build something? Uh, it depends. I typically like downward weight, and I don't usually need a lot because typically the wheels that I run, like I run a lot of CNC custom wheels. Um, they're made out of solid aluminum, so they're a little different than like if you actually were to take a CNC wheel and you were to weigh it next to like a Vanquish wheel, which is also made out of aluminum, it's the the weight's shockingly different because the way Vanquish makes their wheel versus the way he makes his wheel. So you're getting more of like a traditional, like like if anybody remembers the axial eight hole, or I think they call them the eight shooter or six shooter beadlocks where the wheel was the wheel, then you had your ring that you bolt on the back and you bolt on the front. Yeah. Um, that's the style that CNC does. So that whole center section oh. now is aluminum. So it's got some hefty weight to it. Yeah, there's so like, a lot of mass there then. I didn't realize he built them that way. I just assumed it was basically a two-piece wheel with the ring in the center. No. It's, uh, no, yeah, it's, uh, it's like a three, I guess you could, it's really a one, like the wheel's just, a, it's the wheel, and then you just put the, the rings on. But because that center section is so massive, you got a lot of weight to it. Whereas like Vanquish, really, you just get the face of the wheel Everything else is kind of like hollowed out. It just and then it just clamps around that little ring, and so it's all really lightweight. Yeah, there is weight there, but it's nowhere near like a solid chunk of aluminum. Right. So yeah, I had no idea. That's interesting. Yeah. So typically, I like a little weight down low, just because I like to keep the tires planted. Because like I noticed a big difference. Like, and this is just from like what I've seen. Take when I had my Wraith 1.9. Bone stock at Axial Fest, I mean, I did nothing to it other than that frame stiffener through in a Holmes Hobby, I think it was a 20-turn Crawlmaster, and I threw in an MKS servo. That thing, the tipping point was like 
right there every time you're going over something because that had a lot of upward weight with that cage and you just have these plastic wheels that it just wanted to tip right over. Right. That same rig with some CNC wheels on it, that thing stayed planted a lot longer. So to me, that's always just kind of shown if you can get downward weight that can hold you planted on the ground, you have a better chance of watching what that rollover point is. Right. Yeah, see, I've just been adding beef patties to everything I have, and that's it. Like, I stopped doing stick-on weights on the beadlock ring inside, you know, the internal ring. I quit doing that. Um, No, you know, brass C-hubs or knuckles or anything like that. I just, now I throw beef patties on everything and call it a day. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I kind of did that with a couple other rigs. I didn't use beef patties. I actually used uh, Team K&K, their brass wheel hexes. That's that's something I've never tried. Yeah, I've done that too because it gives you just enough. Um, for some rigs, like I needed like a little bit more without going overboard, and that was like just enough. I feel like that's the perfect amount if you're gonna add some like brass rotating mass. I think hexes are probably just enough. I think that like when when I I used to put those on my uh, on my HB cars, and that to me was better than bolt on weights for sure. I liked that a lot because then it wasn't too much, but it gave you just enough to 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 make it feel a little bit more planted in unpredictable conditions. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yes, folks, you heard that right. We actually add weight to race cars sometimes. Well, even within ro- reason. Even rotating weight. Within reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> only, yeah. Only, within honestly, only, I mean, these days, honestly, I would only put rotating mass on a race car, but that's a that's a whole other conversation. No, I was just kind of making light of the current situation. Oh, yeah. That whole debate being fired back up again lately. (laughs) No, I was just curious because I've never, I don't think I had ever asked you that, Adam, if you did, you know, stick on weights or what you typically do. I I didn't realize those wheels were made that way. I can't believe I've never even so much as seen a picture of the backside of one of those wheels even. Like, I, I I, I had no idea. Yeah, I can send I can send it to you. I mean, the cool thing is, it's based around something that's readily available. Um, like the it's it's kind of like taking three styles of wheels and putting it together. It's like you're taking the traditional inner outer beadlock style ring um, wheel, and you're also applying like with Vanquish, where you have to actually add a hub so you can actually dictate the the offset based on do you want the 225 do you want the 350 do you want a 400 do you want to run a big old you know 800 and have the thing sticking way outside your you know wheel i mean it's up it or body it's up to you i mean that's the kind of cool thing about it whereas like a lot of the plastic ones they're pretty much set and the only way to get any kind of offset is you go with like a bigger like team team can k um hex where they have them in like different widths or you get like one of those uh God, who made them? I can't even think right now, but it's they used to have those those wheel those offsets and they had a blue and a red one and used a barrel nut to hold it together. I forget who makes it. This must have been before my before my time. I have some still left over because there was a couple rigs that I built where the wheels were su- such a positive offset I needed those to clear the knuckles. But I can't remember who makes it with the barrel nut. It would be really nice to have a little more control over offset. I know, like, I really, really like the way my Bronco drives at Shelby one. 
Um, Travis and I both drove it this past weekend out of Die Hard. It drives really good. Um, the wheels on it aren't a SLW style, and so they do stick out a little bit, and there's not much I can do about that, unfortunately, the way that they're made. I could either go where they're at now or wider, but I can't really go the other way. I do really like the fact that SLWs are kind of becoming industry standard almost now. Like even Element stuff works with SLW hubs, like their plastic RTR wheels. They're even an SLW style, so I think that's a... I don't know. Honestly, like I, I would like to see everybody just go to that. You know, I mean, certain wheels obviously aren't going to cater to it, you know, certain designs. But if you can and you can make it work, I feel like that's really the way to go because you're doing, even if you don't make the SLW hubs, it's still a great feature that you're offering to the customer when you're trying to sell them on your product, you know? Exactly. Which the CNC ones, they're all SLW, aren't they? Yes, they're all SLW style. Um, so you basically can use any kind of Vanquish, um, you know, offset, and you can go from there and, and dial it in. How many screws are on the inside ring on the back side of the wheel? Uh, he typically does the standard. I want to say it's six. Oh, okay. So it's not three hundred screws like the other. It's ones. not the front where you got like um, eighteen or something like that. Yeah, my SSD ones are 20, and I just replaced all of the kind of goldish-looking hardware that looks like grade 8 bolts um, with black hardware. Oh, my God, was that a tedious project. Like, that was an entire evening just switching out the scale hardware on those things. So I uh, I kind of feel people's pain when they got to take both rings off to try and swap your tires out. Yeah, well, see, that's where I did kind of like, um, for instance, uh, who who makes them? Um, well, I know other than Vanquish. I think Locked Up has some nice wheels where you – they actually kind of like did another version of like the, what I call a hybrid. So they have 18 holes like that you actually have to put a screw in, but the rings that they sell are actually threaded, so you put – which is a pain in the butt – you put all the little one millimeter screws all the way in, and there's actually six that are through hole, and you actually get the same scale hardware, but they're actually longer, so they go into the wheel. And those six are the only ones that actually clamp the wheel or the ring to the wheel. Really, I didn't yeah. know that either. That is super smart, actually. So you're still using the six design to hold it, but you, so if you ever wanted to take them off, it just takes six screws and they're off. Whereas, yeah, that's pretty like, rad. Like I'm not gonna lie, when I when I decided to take those wide uh, Nitto uh, trail grapplers off the SCX 10.3 and put the original ones on there, I was like, oh, I'm not looking forward to this because I gotta <laughs> take like I gotta take like a hundred screws apart just to change these wheels. No kidding. And I was like, after I just put them all together. And for those of you that don't know, Locked Up RC is a Canadian company, I believe, and they have some really nice-looking wheels. So that's another uh, – you don't hear about them as much as you probably should. Like, I kind of feel like they don't get the credit they deserve because they have some really sharp-looking designs. Well, I think they actually um... – they actually get oh, – I guess what they're known for is their scale hardware. They have a lot of scale hardware, um, and some of that stuff you can actually use, and it changes the entire look of 
what you already have. So like for instance, I just acquired a set of Vanquish method wheels and the previous owner had put scale hardware from locked up in the front ring and it changes the look and like the whole entire look of that wheel. Oh yeah, like that scale hardware, some sort of a scale hub and just now you're starting to find them a little bit easier but the acorn style bolts for the lugs you know the the six lugs that's actually like those three things is like you said just totally will change the way a wheel will look it takes it from yeah that almost looks real to damn that looks real yeah, exactly. And that's like and that's what really like blows my mind is like you could get some of that stuff and like I don't know, and then I become a creature of habit. So for instance, my guilty thing now is ever since I switched over to the scale lug nuts from locked up RC to hold my wheels on, like for all the SLWs, I cannot put the standard screws anymore. Like it just does not look real. It oh, looks, that's totally understandable. And it's just like one of those things now. It's like I'm. It's like, oh, like so. Every time like I build a rig now, it's like I got to make sure. Like the last time I placed an order with Locked Up, I ordered I don't know how many of the scale of the lug nuts because I like I just use them so much now that I might as well because everything I use now gets them. So you're ordering that direct, then you don't get it through a hobby shop or a main or anything. Correct. Okay, yeah, so if you guys are looking for that stuff that we're talking about, go to Locked Up RC's website. Um, you're going to find a lot of really, really cool stuff there. They have some awesome replacement winch motors for the uh, RC four-wheel drive worn winch that is just insanely fast and strong, and it's like $12. It's, it's super, super cheap, but they have a lot of really cool products, and like I said, I kind of feel like they don't get the credit they deserve because they have some really, really cool stuff. So be sure to check their stuff out. Yeah. And you can get like, I know it gets pricey. I mean, realistically for what you're getting, it's kind of like, you can kind of say, yeah, it's pricey. Like I was just looking at a set of black scale hardware for a set of wheels, um, that I need to do for Michelle's, uh, 2017, uh, Jeep that I have for her. Um, I think it's like eight bucks for a bag of twenty-five. So realistically, I need four bags to do the wheels. Wow! So because you know you use about eighteen of them, so you're not gonna. I don't think you get quite an. Yeah, you won't have quite enough left over if you just get three bags. So you're gonna need four, and that'll leave you some scale or like some spares. The other thing I've always noticed with locked up, which I it, maybe this is just me, but they're the tools that they sell you to um, which is the other thing too if you've never used locked up you have to buy their the hardware or the tools to install that hardware because your standard hex drivers and stuff do not install them um like the lug nut one actually that wrench works all right because it's kind of a bigger one but like for their scale hardware I've had a really hard time with their with the tool they sell. I actually really? went to my local hobby shop and found – I asked them if they had a hex driver in metric and what size they carry, and they actually had a kit that went from like 2 millimeter all the way up to like 9 millimeter. It was 
pricey. It was like a $65 set, but that thing works way better than the one that Locked Up sells. No kidding. Yeah, see, so I had ordered, and I'm not seeing them on A-Main right now, so they're possibly out of them, but A-Mains, where you can find the SSD ones, um, they're only 2 millimeters by 5 millimeters for their scale hardware, so depending on what wheel you have, they may not be deep enough. I've found certain wheels, the hole in the ring is not big enough to allow the special socket tool for the scale hardware to fit in it. So you're not guaranteed that they're going to fit. You're kind of taking a gamble. If you do have SSD wheels, obviously they are going to fit. But I had just went ahead and spent the $9, and you get three of their little socket tools. And uh, your your two-mil driver goes in one end, and the other end is open, so it's just kind of like an adapter basically. But taking those apart and swapping out all that hardware, that SSD tool fit so tight on the scale hardware, I didn't have a single, like not even close to having a rounded off head on any of the bolts that I either pulled or installed. So spend the 10 bucks, save yourself the frustration, because if you do break one or round it off, good luck trying to get that thing out of your wheel. You probably are just going to have to replace your wheel. Um, but don't cut corners with that. I've seen people take a, a uh, three mil um, screw and put a nut on it and use it as like a jam nut and then use that to try and take them off. And that works okay, but the tolerances just aren't the same for the right tools. So suck it up and buy the right wrench for the scale hardware and you're, you won't be sorry and you've just probably negated a lot of problems that you could potentially have. Oh, yeah. So, um, but otherwise, that's a nice, easy way to change the appearance of almost anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've used the scale hardware even, like, putting on skid plates and bumpers and stuff. I mean, like, any chance I get to use scale hardware on something, now I do. But I do kind of feel like I'm half-fastening it because I don't have the acorn notes yet. So I am going to have to do that because, like you said, that that just kind of elevates your whole wheel and tire game and a good looking set of wheels on your rig that are super scale like that. I mean, that, that can make or break your build basically, you know, with how it looks. Oh, easily. If you're going super scale nerd on it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's see. Uh, what time frame are we at right now? Our time stamp. I think we're right at an hour and a half right now. Yeah, probably close to hour, half, hour 40. Yep. Okay. Well, we Um, can call it if you guys want. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to circle back to, because I was kind of glad that you brought it up, or I should say that a team-associated driver brought it up um, before I did, because I know it probably sounds like a lot of complaining, but I – and maybe this could be a whole different topic for another conversation. I don't understand why it seems like – since the release of Element as a brand, why, like, you notice how, like, Red Cat releases something, a lot of people make fun of it, they pick it apart. Axial releases something, they pick it apart. Element releases something, and it's really, you don't, you see a lot of praise versus the picking apart, where, you know, like I said, there's some, like, if you really wanted to put, like, the comparisons of how people seem to, like, you know, compare or I guess you could say gripe on these brands, 
they don't use some of the tactics for certain ones. So it's like, at what point are you just doing a, okay, it, it must be like a fanboy kind of thing over an actual, you know, critique. I see some critiquing, um, but most of what I see isn't really valid. Like early on, I guess they, and I was talking to Schultz about this today, early on they did have some issues, I guess, with some of their um, rod ends. But me personally, I haven't. I mean, I've had four elements now over the course of a year, and I have yet to break a single item on them. So some of the things these guys complain about, I, I don't understand, and I don't know why or how they're having those problems. And I, I was asking John about it because it's a, it, it's hard to address it because if I speak up and say, well, I haven't had any issues, you know, it's like that doesn't necessarily look good. I mean, obviously I'm saying it meaning it as praise, but it's it could be construed as, well, you know, you're doing it wrong or, you know, whatever, and it looks like you're kind of like placing the blame back on that person for the problem that they had. But, and this isn't me saying this as an associated guy or anything, but dude, honestly, it's a solid truck and it's really hard to fault the thing. It really, really is. Um, my only complaint I've ever had with their rigs has been the cur- the original plastic that they were using for their shock towers. The pan hard mount flexes quite a bit. Um, I switched to their hard tower, their hard plastic tower, and didn't have that issue. Uh, from, from this current release forward now, all of their cars uh, that they're going to release from this point on will have hard plastic standard, and they have a newer, harder plastic compound, so they immediately addressed that issue. Um, but honestly, dude, like, I, I just... It, it's pretty hard to fault one of these rigs. Like, they're just they're good and they work really well and they may not have all the bells and whistles, but there's also just not a lot of opportunity for anything to go wrong on them. And I know that sounds totally fanboyish, you know, but really, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're lucky because the internet can be a pretty brutal place as far as people uh, criticizing products. And, you know, you're right. Like you see it with axial, um, Especially, you know, you always have the guys going to grade another Jeep, you know. But even with Element not having licensed bodies, I still don't, you know, it's a rare, rare instance that I even see someone complain about the bodies that come on them. Like, it, it's weird. It is, I feel like it is kind of an, an anomaly in the hobby because I, you're, you're right. You don't see that. I don't understand the stigma behind Axial. I don't understand why people, why they have such consistent negative feedback on releases again this is silent majority though but for some reason the people who aren't like people are super quick to judge axial releases i don't know if it's people don't gripe on element as much because it is something new and something fresh red cat i understand completely because they made toy grade stuff for a very long time so no matter how good their stuff is now they are tasked with breaking that stigma and that is a very hard thing to do so there are going to be people that are never going to give red cat a chance because just like just like traxxas in a lot of ways because it's red cat it's traxxas that sort of same scenario um i don't understand what it is about axial that makes people do that i i really don't get it um 
I think a long time, I think for a long time, it was also born out of frustration, though, because people were buying. I mean, Axial was essentially the car to buy. And like, if you were going to get it, if you were going to get a scaler and you were serious, like the Axial was a no brainer choice. And so I think a lot of it stems from that. Some people were unhappy with the releases that Axial was coming out with because there really weren't alternatives. So now that we have a lot more options, just in maybe three years since Axial really was like that big authority, you know, where they kind of, to me, like Mm -hmm. kind of at that peak, um, now we have a little bit more choices. I mean, I think you see a lot more negative feedback on the element after it's bought because people look at things like, you know, like they, they did have a rod end issue and that is a running change that's been fixed. Um, despite the reasons, I understand why they come with it, but plastic balls still do suck. So, I mean, it's one of those things that I understand it from that side, but I think maybe, I think maybe people are pleased to have the variety now. I think that that's a big piece of it. Yeah. I, that's a great answer. I think if you want my opinion, I think you already nailed, I think you guys already kind of brushed on it. It has to do with the they're so new in the game, I guess you could say, even though they're not like they are but they aren't, you know. I think that's a lot of the reason why it's the new hot and upcoming thing. Element is capturing not, the wow factor. Exactly, and it's kind of like what you were saying about Axial when Axial was on top. It was that so many people, I guess what's the word you were like it was the it was the authority so people were kind of like overlooking some of the flaws to justify why it was still on top whereas now you got something that's new so they're kind of like well it's new and it's hot so i'm going to look over the fact that this is an issue because i like the fact that it's newer and it's the new craze right now yeah yeah i mean that Axial basically for many, many years, and I, I think Trav really hit the nail on the head. Axial for many, many years was, for the most part, your only choice, you know? And so I get that when your only choice is what they're releasing, you're opening yourself up to more criticism because you don't have a lot of options. Um, the Everything is going to have its hits and misses. Um, it's just, you know... It, it, does it really matter to you or not? Like for me, like I, you know, when I see people complain about the rod ends or even the element having plastic balls, none of my cars, they all still, excuse me, they all sell plastic balls on them and none of them are blown out yet. Like they're all still as tight as the day that I got them. So, I mean, I kind of expected that though with associated because they do, you know, with the racing background, they have really good materials that they use Their plastic formula is awesome. (laughs) But you know, it's now you've got all these choices versus just one manufacturer. And I I think to kind of try and wrap this up and circle back to what we were talking about, like, I guess basically kind of we got a uh, topic for the show was kind of, you know, what to buy is sort of what the direction that we ended up going because we're talking about, you know, what kind of a choice would you make as a consumer between the three and the new element release? Um, the Traxxas, I know you've heard us say negative things about, not negative, but I mean somewhat critical of uh, not using all their features. I will say this about Traxxas is that it's a very durable rig. I didn't have any parts failures or anything like that on it. Same with the Element, no parts failures. Um, 
Red Cat. I know a lot of guys that are very, very happy with the Red Cat Gen 8 and have no complaints with the thing. Um, once in a while, you hear somebody say something about breaking a portal gear or something, but it's been a long time since I've heard that being an issue. Um, I, I, I think kind of in closing, like really looking at this from a non-biased standpoint, there is a lot of awesome choices that you can make right now when you're shopping for a rig. And I can truly, you know, honestly tell you that whatever you do decide to buy as a customer getting into the hobby or looking to add to your collection, I don't think you're going to be disappointed with anything that's currently offered by any manufacturer. Um, they're all really, really good. Um, all of this competition now with, you know, you've got several brands now competing for market share versus it just being axial before for the most part. Um, you've got a lot of solid choices and no matter what you choose, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going to enjoy it and it's going to work really well. So again, this is like a great time to be involved in this hobby and there's so many choices and the competition has bred better and better products as a result of it. Everybody continues to elevate their game to keep up with the competition as Axial had done with the SAX 10.3. Now it is, you know, just about completely comparable to the TRX-4 for the most part, with the exception of the locking diffs, which I don't think many people use that anyways. So whatever you guys decide to spend your hard-earned money on, feel good about your purchase. You're not going to get a dud. They're all pretty awesome. Exactly. I think that's an awesome spot to end it. Agreed. Hi, no. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Until next time, guys. We will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. See you.